Trumos, Perik Tes, Mishnah Hay, 9.5. If you'll take my advice, assuming you just learned 9.4, you're going to skip this Mishnah and learn 9.6 first, and then come back to this Mishnah. Here in Mishnah 9.5, it says, Me'elagina shel truma va'acha shel chulen. What happens if you planted some of this truma seeds, let's say, and some of the rows in your field are truma seeds, but other were planted from regular generic chulin seeds. So, and you've lost track of which is which. So now what do you do with the whole field? Does the field become permitted or forbidden, meaning is it restricted or unrestricted um, as per the restrictions that were applicable to the previous and following Mishnah? So the Mishnah says, Me'elagina shel truma, if you had a hundred rows in your garden that were truma seeds, va'acha shel chulin, and even one row that was a chulin seed, so then kulin mutarim, then we are lenient and say we, the whole field becomes permissible. Bedavar shazaro kale, provided that we're talking about the kinds of seeds that decompose in the ground. That is to say, in the previous Mishnah we had said that gedule truma are truma. But now we're saying, even though if you plant wheat that's truma in the ground, what comes out is wheat, that's truma again, restricted as truma, like the previous Mishnahs have sort of discussed, that weird scenario. Still, if you have some that are wheat, uh, that are truma and some that are not truma seeds, and you lost track of which is which, all of the wheat in the field now becomes permissible, meaning that dindarabanan of gudule truma truma doesn't kick in. But that only applies bedavar shezarokala, that the kinds of seeds that decompose, and that were lenient. Again, that leniency kicks in. Aval, however, bedavar she'en zarokala, if you're talking about the kinds of things that you plant where the seed doesn't decompose, meaning you had truma onions, and you planted hundred rows of onions, hundred one rows of onions in your field, and only one of the rows is truma onions that went in, and a hundred were chulin onions that went in, and you've lost track of which is which. So now the mission will say all of the rows become restricted, meaning they're all considered truma. The dindurban persists, even though it's a, a, a drastic minority. Even we have a hundred to one against, uh, meaning that you'll recall when it comes to mixtures of chulin and truma, once you re- reach a hundred. Chulin against one truma, the mixture becomes uh, permissible, but here not. And we've see, I'll show you the words inside, and then I'll discuss um, the rationale behind it. So the Mishnah says, If you're talking about the kinds of foods where the seeds do not totally decompose, bulbs, etc. Even if a hundred rows were regular chulin onions, and one row in the whole field was a, a truma, an, a row of truma onions, and you've lost track of which is which, kulan asurim, all the onions in the entire field are restricted, meaning they're all treated like truma, as we discussed in the first um, three Mishnayas uh, or so of this parak. So the question is why? The question is why can't you use, you know, the why are we lenient, and why should it not be bottle, and why even if you went to 100 to 1 against, it shouldn't be bottle? Okay, so... The proper answer, you need a bit of background. So when it comes to um, Bittel, the general, the usual rule, as you know, is you just need a simple majority. Um, if you have a transfer of taste, which you don't have here, you might need 60 times against. Um, but whatever the rules are in terms of Bittel, of, in mixtures where the Isra lose its its status relative to the majority, and now the, the whole mixture gets the status of Heter, of permissible, um, there are certain exceptions to that rule. Um Specifically, there are three categories of exceptions, and what the rabbi said, these things are to or shouldn't become bottle, regardless. Um, 
regardless of the of the the ratios. Those categories are things that are just simply too intrinsically important um, by the judgments of the rabbis. Things that the effect they have on the mixture is simply too important, too significant to ignore, um, despite the ratios. And finally, the third category, which is a little beyond the scope of what we'll discuss today, of the varmashesh lomatirim, things that um, have a, there's a way they can become permissible. And therefore, the rabbis said, since they can come, they can come permissible later on. So we're not going to let them be permitted to you even in the mixture now. In the first category of things that are simply in, intrinsically too significant to become bottle, there are actually three examples of that, three categories of that, subcategories. The first is a beria, a whole unit of iser, a whole fly, or a whole gidanasha, or a whole avram and a chai, a whole unit of iser. It doesn't become bottle in the mix. Um, so if a fly falls into your chillant, the whole chillant becomes ashes till, till you get the fly out. It's not an issue of the fly giving a taste. That's not the point. The point is the fly itself isn't bottle in the mix. Um, second goes for a, a, a what's called a chaticha ruilis chabed. You have a portion of food, which is significant in its own right that it could serve as a portion to honor a guest. So that means like a whole steak or something like that. So it's not bottle in the mix. It's simply too intrinsically important to be bottle. And finally, a davar shebeminyan, the kind of things that you count one by one when you purchase them. The textbook example for that would be eggs. Um, so those things are not bottle in a mixture. The second category of things that are their their um, effect on the mix is too significant to ignore, despite the ratios, are spices. Obviously, if you drop a chili pepper um, into your chalent, you could have a hundred times or a thousand times as much, you know, meat and potatoes as you have chili in there. But since when you taste the if when you taste the chalent, you still taste the chili pepper, you can't say it's gone because it's screaming here I am, here I am. So it's not bottle. Um, and also, it's called a ma'amid which I'll translate as a catalyst, things we actually had in our Masechta already a couple times, um, things that um, the classic example is is an enzyme for making cheese. So you put the enzyme in the milk and the cheese, then the milk curdles and you get cheese. So even if the enzyme is a thousand, one thousandth of the mix, since it's not milk you're looking at, it's cheese you're looking at, it's obvious that there was an enzyme put in here. Same goes for yeast and bread. You can't deny that the yeast had an effect because the bread rose, etc. Um, that's the second category. And finally, the varm shayashlom are things um, that'll become permissible later, so we don't let you eat them now. So just as an example, but this is more technical than other ones. If you have um, an egg that was laid, maybe, that was that was maybe laid on Yom Tov, and you cook it into an omelet, and then you realize, oh, you, might ha- you may have... Um, one of the eggs, one of the eggs in the mix, um, maybe uh, are or maybe even a laid on yomtif egg. So that would be restricted as mukta. You can't eat it till after yomtif. But after after yomtif, it becomes permissible. Meaning though, even though now it's mixed in the minority, it's not bottle because it's yesh the matirim. It can be permissible if you wait till after yomtif to eat that, eat the you know that egg batter, if you will, the mixed up eggs. Okay. That's enough of that for now. So, for some reason, we're saying that the onion, the row of onions in our Mishnah, are also too significant to be bottled. Even at 100 to 1, which would be even for regular truma, min bimino mixtures, and we said there's no more maduma past 100 to 1. But here we're saying there is a problem. Now, it's a little funny because the list that is gave you at length of those categories um, don't necessarily seem to apply to the row of onions. The question is, why would the onions not be bottle? So the Bartonur says, um, 
because the ground doesn't go up at 100 to 1 times. So there's two basic possibilities here what he's talking about. Either it means um, that that um, things that are still attached to the ground are simply too intrinsically important to be a bottle, and that's just that also belongs on our list of things that can't become bottle. Um, the other possibility is like the Rambam, which is that since it's attached to the ground and it's in its own place, separate from others, it's not yet considered a mixture. Let us say Bittel requires that you have a mixture of Isser and Hetzer together. Here, while it's attached to the ground, you can't say it's mixed in with the other stuff. That being the whatever the case is, um, if you have Davar Shein Zarokala, the kind of things that don't decompose in the ground, then we're saying what comes out the ground is restricted and there's no Bittel while it's attached to the ground. And if you'll, if you'll ask, well, listen, that's fine, but after I pull some onions out of the ground, um, so why aren't those onions now permissible? Because the usual rule is that when you um, take an item from a mix, it gets separated from the mix, so the rule would be called the parish, maruba parish, that you assume that it came from the majority, and here 100 out of 101 rows of onions are permissible. So you might think, well, then we can assume now this is this Suffolk onion came from the majority and it's permissible. Um, like, for example, the textbook case is you find a piece of meat in the town square, says the Gemara, I don't know why I'd eat raw meat that you find in the town square, but if you want to, um, the question is, can you assume the meat is kosher? So if there's 10 butchers in town and nine of them are kosher butchers and one is treif, you can assume that this meat got you know, came from the one of the kosher butchers since there's more kosher than not kosher butchers, and kolda parish, maruba parish, um, you can assume that it came from the majority, meaning from one of the nine that are the kosher butcheries. Again, we're talking about a piece of meat that wouldn't be a chaticha rulis chabed, not a not a whole steak, but like you know, I don't know, meatballs or something. Okay. Well, that's true. Um, the rule of kolda parsh maruba parsh only applies when the time at which the suffolk arose, when you weren't sure of the status here, when you found the meat in the town square, the meat wasn't in its original place of, you know, the isser or not. Meaning, if a woman would come home from the market and say, honey, guess what? I bought some meatballs. And her husband says, great. Did you buy it from the kosher butcher or the not kosher butcher? And she says, I don't know. I don't know. There are not kosher butchers in town. So, and there are nine kosher butchers and one not kosher, one not kosher butcher. The law is that the meatballs are forbidden. You can't assume called the parish maruba parish anymore. And you'll scratch your head and say, why? As I scratched my head and said, why for many a year? And the answer is because when the question was born, meaning when she picked the piece of meat up, it was in its place. Meaning it was, in, it was either either she got it from a kosher butcher or not a kosher butcher. You can't just, the, the statistics don't apply. When she picked it up, it was either yes or no. Um, we only say called the parish maruba parish when we're relying on statistics. When the question arose, it was just statistical. The probability was that it came from the meat in the town square, it came from a kosher butcher. And if you, I don't know, if you would if you would um, find 100 more pieces like this, it statistically would be, you know, 10 out of the 100 would have come from the tray from one, and 90 of 100 would have come from the kosher. Again, it's, it's probabilities that work. But this meatball that your wife brought home, the woman brought home, so if she'd do it 100 times more, all of them would still be treif because it's coming from the source, the source where it's coming from is treif. Meaning when the, the suffix is born in, in its place where it either is or isn't. In this case, it isn't kosher. Um, so we say kol kavua, if it was the question arose in its fixed place um, where probabilities aren't applying. So then kamechtzal, mechtzadami, it's either 50-50, either yes or no, and we can't be lenient. So when you're pulling the onion out of the ground, it's essentially also a kavua case. When you pull it out the row of onions, either the row you're pulling out is a kosher row or not kosher row, and 
the same, since it's Kavua, the question's rising when it's in its place. It's analogous to the woman buying meatballs in the Nakosha restaurant, the Nakosha um, whatever butcher. And that being the case, um, we say that you can't apply kol de parsh maruba parsh. Instead, it's called kavua kamechta mechta. It's a 50 50, and therefore the onions, even after harvesting, uh, are still forbidden. That's the end of the Mishnah. If you're scratching your head at uh, one of the things I said, because Gosh has had a lot of things here, and they are the kind of things that I scratched my head on for many a year, I am sorry. Maybe listen to it again. Do some research. You can ask me questions as you wish. I'm available to you. It is this called the Parish first called Kavua, certainly a, a, a thorny and tricky topic.